The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. I almost thought I was not recording and thought I was going to have to do it again. I'm Derek. Um, joining me today is Aaron. We're off to a fantastic start. Aaron, yeah, how are you? <laughs> Turn your volume off. You, even after you specifically said I turned my ringer off and I'm good. We've just, this has been quite the day. I think we went into it with a very different idea of how it was going to go and it has gone completely the other direction. And on top of it, we had phones ringing while Scott was talking. Mm-hmm. We had news we weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. I'm confident news is going to break on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I like. I'm. I don't even know what to do with this day anymore. And on top of it, we're recording in what feels like a closet right now. It does. There's so much just stuff. This used to be an office, and then it was going to be my podcast studio, mm-hmm. and now it is just kind of the place where all of the the stuff goes. The stuff gets piled into but for anyone who's listening to this podcast and wants to know what a lot of this stuff is some of them some of it is yearbooks which you can still order if you want a good preview for the season just head on over to store.hillvarsity.com is that correct yes a walking plug yes i am uh you can also buy the august issue the volleyball issue that's out you can get ready for the full season with that and a lot of our swag is in here so our really cool t-shirts Everything is on the store, store.hailvarsity.com, which I did go actually check to make sure was the right URL, and schedule posters. By the time people are listening to this podcast, we will have announced the schedule posters. We have both football and volleyball, and people should go get them. And if you're not in Omaha or Lincoln, all you have to do is pay shipping, and we will send one to you. The schedule posters look dope. They are really dope. In fact, like my mom, not hi, mom, uh, she wanted some posters for work they're all gone already i took a stack of 50 volleyball and 50 football and they're all gone so now i have to i have to take more what a tragedy i will say this though the football one the player is wearing the number 18 um and Mm -hmm. i bet money people are going to say that's trey bryan and not just you know 18 for the year yeah we will get that so actually it's funny that you say that because i saw a couple of tweets from people who saw some of the jerseys in the bookstore because they come out with new jerseys every year and they do have the number seven for frost but they do have some that are just 18 and i and i guarantee you same thing that you said some people are gonna be like why do they have trey bryan's number in here if he's not on the team anymore but um i mean it's just the year it is what it is it is what it is we'll get to trey in a second i want to ask you first actually do you watch friends uh, I haven't like watched it religiously in a long time, but I have. Yes. Do you watch Friends like every like day? Like religiously. See, that's Gilmore Girls for me. We went. I went through a stretch when I was in uh, grade school where there was like, there was one summer we had all of the seasons on DVD because my mom grew up with them. Okay. So we had all twelve, I think was or ten. Yeah, they went ten. Uh, we had all ten on DVD, mm-hmm. and I watched it all the way through, and then when I finished, I just started it over again. So there are like so there's a there's a scene that every time I walk into this office I think about and it's uh, Monica being the neat freak mm-hmm. and she has that closet 
Yeah, that I do it just has that. all of her junk in it. Yeah, that's what this room feels. That's what like. this room feels like to you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have one of those rooms in your home? Well, so actually, it's just my house is like I I live with someone who very much believes that everything has a place, and I am not that person. I can like, but I can just put things places. Like chairs become like chairs for my clothes to sit on. Um, that's kind of how I am. So I don't really have like a junk closet. It's more of uh, just areas like just random areas where I have a desk in my closet because I like to sit among my clothes and shoes. It's my clothes, if you will. And that chair currently has too many clothes that I've just been neglecting to fold and hang up. So those it's are the, the strangest things I do. thing I've ever heard. No, it's actually you have a very desk common. In your closet? It's very common. It's a clothes. You know, we all have to find our inspiration. <laughs> and for me, it's clothes and shoes. So whenever anyone's like, wow, Aaron, that was a really good story you wrote. I probably wrote it among my clothes and shoes. Okay. It's fine. We get that every single podcast. Every we get the water podcast. rushing every single podcast. I think that's our clue or our cue to talk about Nebraska news. Yeah. We got a lot of Nebraska news uh, Friday morning when Scott Frost met with the media. And none of it was any news that we were expecting. Um, so we got no quarterback news. Mm-hmm. But... Running back Trey Bryant is officially leaving football. Um, Dominique Watt, wide receiver commit for the 2018 class. And signing. And signing. Sign. Is not coming to Nebraska. He will go to a JUCO school. Greg Smith got to confirm that he's going to Garden City Community College. With um, uh, Willie Canty. With Willie Canty, yep. And then we got it announced that Scott Frost has put his first three guys on scholarship. And Cedric King is officially off the roster. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, see, this is why there's so much news today. And we also, this week, had Avery Roberts and... The other one. Who's the other guy? The other player. Oh, Jalen Barnett. That uh, one. Retired from football for well, concussions. And, yeah, Jalen Barnett. So actually what was really difficult this week is... So everything that was a little difficult this week is Jalen Barnett's was really tough to hear because concussions, you never want to hear somebody has five concussions... He has absolutely every reason to step away from football, and you just hope he lives a happy, healthy life because it sounds like football was really, really seriously injuring him. Same thing with Trey Bryan. I think what was so interesting, not interesting, it was interesting, but impactful for me that Frost said today was that everyone's football career has to come to an end at some point. It's just really difficult when it has to end early for some players, and I think that's what's so hard about Barnett and Brian is knowing in this situation they were these were situations that were out of their control they were injuries and we know how much Brian Bryant wanted to keep going but it sounds like he went home at night and he was just in pain he had his the aching of his knees and his ankles were just so bad so ultimately for the long-term sake of his own body and health and you know living a good, happy life, this was probably the right decision, or it was the right decision, but it's still hard. We were going to talk about him later, but we might as well just do it now. Sorry. Um, let's listen. No, you're really fine. really wanted to talk to Yeah, him. let's talk about Trey Bryant. Let's play, I want to play the uh, the Scott Frost, he had a couple quotes on, on Trey, so I'll play those and then we'll, we'll talk after they're done. Okay. Trey Bryant has come to us and uh, said he's going to probably move away from football. He's been uh, incredible since we've been here. Um, he's had some knee issues and uh, being in camp looked great and I think he felt great. Uh, I think he's just kind of figured out that he can't do it with the condition that he has. So uh, we're going to support him and help him in any way he can, he, that we can. But 
Uh, I just don't think his, his knees will hold up right now. Is it both his knees that have the condition, or is it one of them? How, how, what, what's the situation? Yeah, it, it's both. Um, he just has bone on bone to some degree in both of them. And we were going to try to keep him on a pitch count and only give him so many reps in practice and so many uh, reps in the game. He's good enough to be a, a great player. And I feel terrible for the kid because I think he had a future in the game and a bright future in the game. Um, but it, it's hard, at, you know, he, without saying too much, he talks about going home and not being able to sleep at night because of, of aching and pain in there. And um, this game has to end for all of us at some point. Uh, it's just sad when you see one that has to end too early. Had he been practicing pretty well in the, like this week? Yeah, this week he's been hobbled. Uh, he was doing really well at the beginning of camp. Uh, had a mild sprained ankle that was hobbling him. And from then on, as, as coaches, we weren't 100% sure if it was the ankle or the knees. But uh, each guy knows their body better than anybody. And um, again, uh, Trey's been awesome. So we're sorry to see that happen. But we'll be, we'll be there for him, whatever he needs. OK, so Trey is, is, is stepping away from football, and Scott his knees were just bone on bone, basically, mm-hmm. and and you talked already about the the pain that he was going through, and so it it sucks to hear that because mm-hmm. up until this point, it had mostly been positive in that he was coming back and and they were going to keep him on a pitch count and he was going to be a contributor this fall. And when you just look at the talent the kid has, not taking into to to account the health issues, he's a starting caliber Big Ten running back. He's mm-hmm. a very talented player. So it's just it's very very difficult to hear that news. Yes. You hurt for the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, where where does Nebraska go in its running back room if Trey is not in the picture? Well, I mean they have a ton of talent, and we kind of saw that when we were breaking down the depth chart earlier this week. So we took a stab, and honestly, now I mean that was just what would happen because I actually put Trey Bryant second on the depth chart, understanding that you know he was going to be battling injuries but I felt like like you said he and Scott said it too he had all the talent to be this incredible running back it's just unfortunately his body didn't agree and I mean they're still okay at running back that room still has quite a bit of talent I mean Greg Bell we've heard nothing but amazing things I think he's going to be a huge huge factor in that running game this year Maurice Washington I definitely think is going to now especially with Trey Bryant stepping aside uh, this is going to be an opportunity for Maurice Washington who we most of you had already put him slotted in behind Mm -hmm. Greg Bell I was the only one a little unsure with you know the playbook and him getting adjusted to college but then I think this also puts Divine Azigbo back in the mix I mean he was already in it but he was sort of that guy on the outside looking in he he was kind of right outside that third that third string spot maybe could come into third string depending but with Trey Bryant gone I think you're looking at a Greg Bell Maurice Washington Divina Zigbo situation but then I think Wyatt Mazur who just went on scholarship today mm-hmm. I think he's going to find ways to get reps both in maybe the duck R position but as well maybe at running back depending on what they're you know looking for in a certain you know, whatever they're setting up in the offense. Who knows? We haven't seen anything. Um, but I just think there's a lot of talent there still. It does make it interesting, though, because they did get a decommit from a running back this week. And you wonder if that decommit would have reconsidered if they knew that Trey Bryant was departing. But probably not, because they're still pretty deep. You're transitioning nicely into everything that I'm trying to mm-hmm. say, because I was just I about to make a quick note that um, Same brain Thomas, Thomas Grayson was the guy that decommitted. Uh, keep an eye on Oklahoma State with him. 
who's mm-hmm. an Oklahoma kid. So keep an eye on Oklahoma State. I just got a text basically telling that exact thing. So keep an eye on Oklahoma <laughs> State with him. Um, on the running back room, I had it I had it Bell, Washington, Bryant um, as our top three guys. Okay. And I think in my, my explanation, I said something along the lines of, of Greg Bell – I could see him getting 15 to 18 carries a game. Mm-hmm. I could see Maurice Washington getting 12 to 14 carries a game. Trey, maybe 8 to 10. So now you take those away. Divino Zigbo was the biggest question mark to me because I I just I had no idea where to slot him because for a couple reasons. They have talked so much this offseason. Everyone held Troy Walters, Scott Frost, about mm-hmm. how much he has changed his body, how in shape he is now, how much better he looks running the ball, and how how much better he fits into their offense. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what we're going to see from him. Is I mean, he could very well be the the second string back. Mm-hmm. He could be the Greg Bell spell. Yeah. And then <laughs> that's a cool name. The Greg Bell spell. Uh, and then Maurice Washington could be kind of your change of pace back that comes in for ten carries a game in, mm-hmm. in the Trey Bryant role, maybe until he gets booked up. Or Divine is just a goal line back and a short yarder situation back. But I think his his. His ceiling, or his floor, actually, just moved up a little bit with Trey out. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, I think I think a lot of us figured if Trey Bryant was healthy, he was going to be a major factor in this offense. So mm-hmm. now with him gone, for anybody else in that running back room, it does open a door that maybe wasn't there before. It's now an opportunity to step up and find ways to get involved. And, I, I you know, I think especially – I just – I have to imagine what's going through Divine Zigbo's head right now because he's probably thinking like he went from like when we were talking about him this spring, it felt like everyone in the spring was talking about Divine like he's never going to see the field. Yeah, Yeah, he's just going to be the the senior leader on the side. Like, but now it feels like what a change from spring to fall, and also it goes to show good for Ryan Held going out and really recruiting that spot and finding guys that he needed to fit that role right now. Because can you imagine? the situation they would have been in if they didn't go out and find a guy like Reg Bell, if they didn't, you know, they weren't able to get Maurice Washington cleared mm-hmm. by the NCAA, you'd be looking at a really, really thin running back room. And it, because of the work that Ryan Held did, they're in a totally different scenario. It's a totally different situation. It's amazing what depth can feel like mm-hmm. when you actually have depth on your team. Yeah, because they have guys we're not even talking about. Mikhail Wilbon seems to have slipped away from memory and Jalen Bradley has slipped into the ether. So... We've never heard about him. Um, another guy, and you mentioned him already, is a guy that just got put on scholarship, and that's Wyatt Mazur, who has had two really good spring games for the last two years. He's dealt with injuries. He talked about today um, that, and he 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 dealt with another one. It was mm-hmm. a shoulder. It was a shoulder that popped out um, this fall camp. He's missed some time, and he said it just kept feeling like he just couldn't catch a break, and then finally goes on scholarship, and now maybe there's a role for him. Ryan Held already talked about him playing that duck R spot. I think he, he there's a legitimate role for him in the offense, mm-hmm. and I think he's got a good skill set that fits well. Maybe now he slips into, you know, the kind of in limbo role that we had had pegged Divino Zigbo for mm-hmm. as a guy that gets five, six, seven carries a game. But also Divine, I don't. I keep going back and forth on this. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised on the fact that he's going to get snaps because. He, all, by all accounts, he works way too damn hard to not see the field. Yeah, no, I mean the thing that I, I think sometimes for a lot of people, what they forget about with De, they what they forget about with Divine is he's been great for Nebraska before. It's not like there, it's not like some urban legend that he is a great running back. He has been a great running back for Nebraska. It's just he's had his own set of. Um, 
He's had his own he had a setbacks. Hard game last year. Well, yeah, I mean, he but he's had some setbacks in his career. He's had some things he's had to overcome himself. So it's not exactly it hasn't been the easiest of road for him. And you have to think how difficult it is for running backs too to keep switching offenses. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with uh, the same thing with uh, like wide receivers. I mean, it affects the entire offense. It affects the defense when you change an offense or a defense. It doesn't matter. It all affects everyone. But I think if for him, he's one of those players who just think of his like coaching the coaches he's had in the time he's been at Nebraska like I think I think Frost offense will work well for him and I think that's I think it's like you said I think sometimes with guys like Wilbon and Azigbo it's not like we're making this up they've been good before they've had those moments it's just things have slipped away or guys have stepped up but I'm excited to see especially with Azigbo I'm I'm excited that I think this is going to be a good year for him. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's an unspoken benefit to knowing your role mm-hmm. because I mean his, his he started off as a battering ram back and then last year they tried to make him an every down bell cow mostly out of necessity because they didn't have anybody else and then this season he has a role he has a defined role we don't know exactly what that's going to look like but I guarantee you Ryan Held does and I guarantee you Devon Ozigbo knows what his role is going to look like on any given Saturday mm-hmm. and there I mean that there's a benefit to that same as when we talk about with quarterbacks getting into a rhythm in a game and not having to look over your shoulder if you know what your role is as a running back you can just go in and execute that role and and not have to worry about anything else mm-hmm. so I think I think there's definitely a benefit to that and I think he like you said I think he's in for a good season I think all the running backs are yeah I think I they're going to run it a ton uh, it'll be run the ball guy will not be unhappy Unless they just don't want any passes and then maybe a little unhappy. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about the other two guys that got put on scholarship then. Because we got linebacker Jacob Winemaster, mm-hmm. who White Mazur said is nicknamed the machine because they mm. have to tell him to slow down. Um, and then we got wide receiver Brian Reimers is on scholarship now. Yep. Who do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, I only had a chance to listen to Reimers uh, because I know you were talking with... You were over with Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Babcock was with Winemaster. So we kind of... Divided and conquered, but I was over with Rhymers, and I thought it was so interesting because he talked about how they found out, and Scott wanted to make sure that the players knew before he announced the team, which I'm like, come on, surprise them and do that whole, but whatever, that's really not like Scott Frost MO, I don't mm-hmm. feel like. So he pulled them aside with about five minutes left in practice, so Rhymers had just gone through a couple of reps, was walking off the field, and Frost stopped him and said, hey, FYI, I'm putting you on scholarship, um, and I'm going to announce it to the team. And it was good that that was like five minutes left in practice because he said his mind was just racing and he still had a couple of more reps he had to do. And he was just like really, of course, like really amped up from all of this. And I would totally drop the ball the next time I run around. Right. Just been like a complete, like, just like, why did we put you on scholarship? Just a wreck. Yeah. yeah. Alligator arms. But he uh, he said the team was really excited for him. Um, he's been on scholarship before. Um, so this is his second time um, earning a scholarship. And... I mean, he said the first people he was going to call, the first people he were he was going to call were his parents. So he was going to get in the locker room and then try to give his parents a call. And then he figured everyone else would find out by word of mouth, <laughs> which is true. I mean, in the state of Nebraska, if you don't want to have to make a ton of phone calls, more than likely people will find out. They'll call you. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I thought that was kind of cool, but it was just funny that they found out literally five minutes left in practice. Yeah, Wyatt joked about that too, that he hadn't had a chance to call his parents yet When by the time he had talked to us, but he was like, they probably already know. Mm-hmm. It's all Their over Twitter. Their phones are probably in the locker room just like going like yep. crazy. 
It's a cool day. And Scott talked about how, uh, you know, we got him, I think it was last week. The days are starting to run together. I think it was last week he said that the first guy he puts on scholarship is going to be special to him. Mm-hmm. And they asked him how, how it felt today. Uh, and he essentially said it was just great to see the rest of the team embrace the players the way they did. And Wyatt talked about how uh, when Scott announced, they just had the guys stand up. And he, he had Winemaster go first and said, you're on scholarship. And then the team just erupted and jumped up. And, and when Scott was talking, actually, um, Friday morning, Winemaster was, was sitting at, kind of at the back of the room of where we were at. Mm-hmm. And every guy that walked by, there was just, there was hugging and and I could you know, hear the screaming. Up. Yeah, it was, it was cool. I was sitting on the floor, so I didn't know who was screaming and why. It was a cool scene. And then um, Rhymers and... and and Mazur came up, and they were kind of just hanging out in the back. And, and we figured that we were going to get to talk to them, which we did. But uh, Eric Schneider walked up and just gave them the biggest hug, each one of them the biggest hug. And it, it was just mm-hmm. a it was a very cool thing, um, I guess, kind of balancing out the the sad news with with Trey. I know. I mean, that was that was definitely tough, and you knew it was going to be something significant because of the fact that the very first question. Frost was asked is, can you tell us who your starting quarterback is? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before I'll even say anything, I got some announcements. I remember when he said that, the things going through my head in that moment were like, before the words Trey Bryant came out of his mouth, I'm sitting there thinking like, who did what? What happened? I'm like running through every scenario because you didn't, you're, you didn't get to experience some of these fun ones. But like, I mean, in years past, like, um, players have gotten in trouble for stealing bikes. There was that year. And so I'm like sitting here in my head. I'm like, what dumb thing did somebody do? I have experienced plenty of players well, I know, doing but I was, dumb things. But I'm saying like you missed the bike stealing one, which was just the dumbest thing that like player, like th- that one, I'll have to sh- tell you about that later because it was dumb. But I'm sitting here thinking like, what dumb thing did somebody do? And so I'm glad it was nothing like that where somebody like got themselves in trouble when they shouldn't have. But then it was like, the second he said Trey Bryant, it just like, my heart just dropped. Because you knew you knew that good news was not following his name. It wasn't like, Trey Bryant is, suddenly has bionic knees and is going to be healthy forever. It just was like, the second he was like, well, Trey Bryant, I'm like, wow. Sad face. Sad face. He can come be, he can come just be our podcasting partner. That'd be amazing. Trey Bryant, give us a call if you listen to this podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Yes. Because we were expecting an announcement. We did not get an announcement, but we did get Frost saying that he knows who the guy is. He just hasn't told anybody either person <laughs> yet. And he's had private conversations with Verdusco, and they've talked about it as a as a staff, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of recording this, what time is it? It it's is 145. 1.45 on a Friday. We do not have a quarterback announcement. No. So who's it going to be? I've gone back and forth. And after today, listening to him talk, I, I really, I'm still going to say it's Tristan Jebbia. Uh, I know I had switched to Adrian Mar- There was like a two-week window where I switched to Adrian Martinez. And I still kind of talk myself out of my own belief system. Because again, I go back to the idea that the redshirt rule basically makes it like, why wouldn't you start Martinez? Because you can you can play him and it's not going to matter at the end of the day. If, he, if you find out right away against Akron that he's not ready, you redshirt him. It, there's no like... There's no, like, lose-lose situation in that scenario. The only thing that, like, I keep, like, really focusing on is, you know, when Scott talks about the decision-making of Jebbia, when he talks about um, 
just what he's looking for as far as a quarterback. I'm not convinced that Scott makes decisions in the way that, like, I feel like I'm looking at it very, like, streamlined of, oh, well, redshirt rule means probably makes sense to do X. Like, I feel like they're looking at it much, and they should be, but they're looking at it much differently than I think any of us are. And knowing, having sat down with Verduzco and gone over film with him, knowing the little intricacies that they look at, like, their foot placement and their arm, you know, where their arm is when they're throwing, just all these things that they dive into. I'm like, Lord knows that they're not like hemming and ho- hemming and hauling over all of these things. And so for me, long story short, I'm going to stick with Jebbia just because of the fact that I've said it for a long time. I think he has good decision making. But at the same time, I completely understand when people say it's Martinez because I can talk myself into that scenario just as easily. Mm-hmm. So... I really, when I we've talked about quarterback battles, this is a legitimate one. Yeah, I think when Frost talks about, because Friday he talked a lot about how, you know, when they had Mackenzie Milton at Central Florida, he was he was a good runner, but he was really, really good in RPO situations. He was just a fast decision maker. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about when they had Marcus Mariota, they didn't want him to run. And then when they, at, at Oregon. Mm-hmm. And then when they had Darren Thomas, they were fine with him running 20 times a game. And then when you have Jeremiah Masoli, when he first got there, uh, he was no. He said Vernon Adams. Vernon Adams. Mm-hmm. He said was a, a an efficient runner, but a fantastic thrower. And he basically said the offense is molded to whoever the quarterback is. Yeah. And when he talks about that, when he gives those examples and says that, what I that I feel like that's setting it up for Jebbia. That's mm-hmm. setting it up to say everybody expects Martinez to be the guy that's tailor made for this offense, right. but Tristan can still run it, and we will just mold it around him. My and and. The longer I've been, I mean, I've said this in a lot of different places, the longer this competition has gone on, the less comfortable I felt about the quarterback position as a whole, Mm -hmm. the less confident I felt in my pick that it's going to be Adrian. Um, But I also think, I'll just stick with Adrian because I think he's the guy. (laughs) I feel like we're all just like, I guess I'll stay on this side. (laughs) I, I feel like he's, I mean, if he wins, he's the quarterback for the next three years. And, and, and. If that's the case, if they want him to be the quarterback for the next three years, mm-hmm. three or four years, the only way he's going to develop that quick blinking skill set, the, the decision making, the, the in-game decision making, mm-hmm. the only way he's going to develop that uh, to the fullest is getting in-game reps mm-hmm. when it matters most. Yeah. It's just so hard. I mean, I can see both of these players getting meaningful snaps this season regardless. I know I'm not in like a two-quarterback system, but I do think, you know, depending on the game, you could see either of them um, coming into play. It's just, like you said, the more that this has gone on, it becomes, I feel less and less comfortable by what's happening. They're either both really, really good and it's really difficult to decide or their, their issues are so glaring that they're trying to figure them out and figure out the lesser of two evils in that sense, if you will. I will say this. Whoever they pick is going to tell us a lot about the offensive line. So if they pick Jebbia, I really do sincerely mean think it means our offensive line is in a, is in a place where we feel comfortable. That, yeah, he's not going to go get these massive runs, but he's going to be able to run it when we need to and enough because the offensive line is going to be able to help him out. And that offensive line will be able to protect the pocket so he can actually throw the football when mm-hmm. we need him to. If they pick Martinez, I feel like that to a certain degree says our offensive line needs to be bailed out. Our offensive line is going to have 
it's going to break down and we need somebody like Martinez who is able to run themselves out of scenarios. It's that's I mean it feels like the Tommy Armstrong what we didn't even realize is when Tommy Armstrong was a senior it was almost like we didn't even pay attention to the fact of how he was bailing the offensive line. He masked a lot of the problems, yes. And that's the thing with somebody like Martinez. I think his legs could do that. And so I do feel like if I'm if I'm a Nebraska fan and I'm curious about the offensive line, I would take a, I would take I would take note of whoever was ultimately named starter because I think it says I think it almost says more about the offensive line than it does about the quarterback. Because I think they can make both of those quarterbacks work. It's just going to be dependent on do we have the personnel to make that quarterback successful. Mm-hmm. So that's kind sure. of where I've been all along. Because I, do, I don't think Jebby is – I think he can run. And we know he can because you can go watch his high school highlights. Mm-hmm. He's not like immobile. And I liked Tanner Lee, but he's not Tanner Lee. He can move his body when needed. But I don't think he can scramble like someone like Adrian Martinez can. So that's your question. You also don't want him to. You He's don't want him to. He's a lot smaller than Adrian Martinez. No, yeah, he would probably get eaten alive by yeah, some you, Big you Ten would defenses. Not, especially when you get into the heart of your Big Ten conference play. You do. You would. He would be in a Mariota situation yep. in where they do not want him running, you know, double digits a game. Mm-mm. So. You said either one of two things is happening. Either there's there's glaring weaknesses that they can't sort through, or they're both really good and they can't pick. I mm-hmm. think it's the latter. I think I think they're both good. I think they I both too. think that they can run the offense. I don't think it's that, you know, Adrian can't throw the ball worth a lick and Tristan Jevy is a statue in the pocket. Because those are I mean, those are the two extremes that <laughs> mm-hmm. people you know, if somebody is an Adrian fan, they're like, Jebby can't run and if you're the Jebby fan, you're like, Adrian can't, you know, hit throw a five a yard out route. Throw you know? the ball, yeah. I think they're, the truth is somewhere in the middle, and, and they both will be able to operate the offense. So let's talk about this. Let's move to this now and cover all of our bases because mm-hmm. we might get a quarterback announcement and this podcast suddenly becomes outdated. So It's fine. You will listen to it anyway. <laughs> let's start with Tristan. <laughs> Tristan has won the starting quarterback job. Mm-hmm. What does the offense look like with him running it? I think you have, I, I think you have a little bit of a more structured offense with Adrian or Adrian whoa with Tristan I think you know he's definitely um we know he's a we know he's a he studies the game he knows the playbook I think you're going to have somebody who can really control and manage that offense and he's not going to take a lot of chances more of a game manager yes he's going to manage that game very very precisely what whatever he is told to do he is going to do it the one issue with that is you can have some mistakes that are made from that because if something breaks down and he's expecting to do X and X does not happen, that's where you hope that he then can move on to Y or move on to Z or move on to whatever he needs. But, you know, if he does not have the ability, which, you know, we we don't fully know, if he does not have the ability to scramble himself himself out of situations, things could go badly very quickly with him. So I think you you run a risk both ways where I think you – and it really depends on the offensive line. Gosh, we really need to know what those guys can do. Um, but I think you have a game manager, and I think you have a really – you're going to see the ball thrown a lot more. I think you're going to see a lot of – like, I'm. my guess is the wide receivers are probably a little bit like, we'll take Jebbia if he's throwing us the ball all the time. Um, I think with Martinez, it's not like his his – 
offense would be a complete mess. I don't think he would be like leading like absolute chaos. I just think he's not quite the same kind of game manager, but I think he's more adaptable. I think he might adapt to a situation just a little bit better in the sense of like, if he sees something coming at him, he will be able to get himself out of it or help kind of mask the problems that might be unfolding in front of him. And so I think that's what you have. You have one player that's probably going to be a little, like we said, a little bit more of a game manager, going to throw the football, um, whatever. And then you're going to have somebody who's a little bit more free willing in the sense Mm -hmm. of things might be, things might go differently and they're going to adapt in that moment. So I think it's like, those are the differences between the two. And I don't think one is inherently bad over the other. I think one of them is a lot more stressful though, if you're a head coach or an, or an offensive coordinator, Adrian Martinez would be more stressful (laughs) in that situation. Especially as a true freshman. But to be, to be devil's advocate on this one, there's still, there's still things with someone like Jebbia. If he, if he hesitates or he doesn't, and I think that was one of the things that, like, someone, oddly enough, like Tommy Armstrong, that used to drive us crazy. And I'm not in any way implying that Tristan Jebbia is the same quarterback that Tommy Armstrong is, because they're not at all. But the one thing that used to drive people crazy is Tommy was pretty good at game management. But when things would break down, he he kind of was like, he couldn't see the next person. He stared down his receiver. He didn't look for the next guy. That was his Big thing. Actually, I would have loved Tommy to work with Mario Verduzco because I think that would have been really fun to watch that. But that that was the one thing. I remember watching a drill. I told you guys, I was talking about this like a few years ago in three years ago in spring ball. Uh, Danny Langsdorf was literally running a drill where Tommy just can't run. They just wanted him to go through his progressions. Don't take off running. And almost like half the time, he would drop back and start running. And they, you could just see Langsdorf just yelling at him going, don't run. So that's the thing is like, you did say, you, you get a little bit more of a stressful situation. But I think both of them have a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of stress to both scenarios. You have somebody where it's like, is he going to be able to figure it out if, like, the situation breaks down in front of him? And then you have the other one that's like, is he going to make a bad decision when everything... It's funny, because now I just walked through, like, every problem that we had with Tommy Armstrong (laughs) and just went through all of the concerns. And he actually has a little bit of both. (laughs) Oh, Tommy. I don't even know how to get us back on track. I don't either. Spend the rest of the time talking about Tommy Armstrong. Everybody, I'm I'm serious. Could Tommy Armstrong come work with Mario Verduzco? I just want to see like what kind of quarterback he could be. That'd be cool. He, oh poor guy. I think I'll say this about the two the the difference in the two offenses. I think if Adrian is the quarterback, Mm -hmm. you will get more of an option element. You'll get more of a read option. You'll get a more of an emphasis on the short to intermediate passing game and play action. If it's Tristan Jebbia, you will get more RPO mm-hmm. and you will get a, a more aggressive vertical passing game. I yeah. think those will be the two main differences between them. I would completely agree. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, and like we said, there's there's not one that's like inherently better or worse than the other. It's just a different approach to it, and it's really what they're looking for. Um, what they feel is going to be the most successful. But it also really, again, it sounds like a broken record, but it really depends on that offensive line. That offensive line determines a lot of what you can and what you want to do. And I don't know, because I read your story about the offensive line that's up on our website right now. So if anyone wants to check it out, um, it's there right now. Um, Plug, plug. I feel good about the offensive line from a starter's perspective. The question is, is what happens if one of those starters get injured? Or if they get tired and need somebody to come in, what does that rotation look like? Because I keep going back to the fact that Greg Austin talked about it, and he said, we've got depth. But what he meant was, we have depth, like, 
horizontally where I can take this guy from this position and just move him over to this position and shuffle them around and maybe bring this guy into the lineup based on that. The example being slide Tanner Farmer from right guard to center. Right. Bring in Bo Wilson and plug him at right guard. Correct. Which and I don't I don't I mean, that's cool in theory, but I don't want my team um swapping centers like every seven plays. Like, no, because they I need to determine they need to have a relationship with a quarterback. Yeah. But I get it because what he's trying to say is we've got this like depth, but what he means is we have horizontal depth. We've got guys who can kind of like shuffle around and mm-hmm. do what I need them to what makes me really concerned is about the vertical depth. What does it look like behind them? What happens if someone gets hurt? What if there's just so many things in that regard. So it sounds like, again, it sounds like a broken record, but not to make this the Tommy Armstrong podcast, but he bailed that offensive line out of a lot of stuff. So that's the type of thing. Are we going to need a quarterback who can do that? Or can they have a quarterback who doesn't need to bail it out? And I mean, even if Martinez is the guy, he shouldn't have to bail it out. He shouldn't have to bail everybody out of every situation if the offensive line breaks down. I think more than that, because both off, both versions of that offense can be dangerous with the weapons that they have, because they have weapons, and Scott has talked about that. They have legitimate, you know, weapons that you see on a team like Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Stanley is the best receiver in the conference. I'm confident in saying that. Um I think it more comes down to who can be the most efficient operating their version of the offense. And that's what Mm -hmm. they've talked about. Who can not make the mistakes? Is Adrian going to throw back across his body when he's scrambling and throwing an interception? Or is Tristan going to maybe go through his reads, go through his progressions, hang on to the ball too long in the pocket, and get a strip sack? Mm -hmm. It's, It's who's not going to turn the ball over. I think that is ultimately going to to be the deciding factor, I think. We got two in one podcast, a water rushing. I don't it just sounds like a waterfall. It's I think it's somebody upstairs like flushing the toilet or something like perfect. that. Perfect. So That sounds perfect. We're in the heart of it. Actually now that I think about it though, I think it might be the bar that's above us. There is a bar, but I don't know if I I feel like it's over there a little bit. Should we like after the podcast, like we'll I'll stand on the table and knock and you can go upstairs and see if you can hear it. Because uh, all we're doing the rest of the day is just we're on quarterback announcement watch. Yeah, pretty much. Well, speak for yourself. I've got to do a lot of things. Let's talk about Dominic Watt not making it. That's the last last bit of news that we've got to hit on. He's not making it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not coming to Nebraska. Let's talk about Dominic Watt making it. He's not making it. He's not, he's not going to be here. He's going to Garden City Community I, College. I'm team up with- so confused by this. How they got Washington cleared... But they didn't get, they weren't able to get Dominic Watt cleared. It's just mind-blowing. And if you if you check out what Greg Smith was able to put up as far as context, the reason why is his ACT scores, which were not bad, his ACT scores were flagged because they were too different from his SAT score. It felt like some were higher than the other, and it felt off. So it became flagged, and the NCAA... It, it was like a it was like a whole thing between like the NCAA and the ACT basically having this conversation and for whatever reason Nebraska wasn't able to make it work between both parties to understand why there might have been some discrepancies in his scores but it's like 
they're they're two fundamentally different tests. Like, who's to yeah. say like he just was good at the ACT and the SAT was just a harder one for him or whatever the case was. Like, it makes because no that s- happens. It does. I it's was like, terrible at the it's SAT. Not, it's not uncommon for that to happen. But the fact that they flagged it as you know as a concern and then because of that he's not able to come to Nebraska now. I mean, we're talking an entirely separate situation from Maurice Washington. Maurice Washington had to get a high enough score to be here. Dominic Watt had a high enough score, but his scores just didn't match what they felt like they should have from a different standardized test. The whole thing is really weird. I I feel bad for Dominic Watt. I'm glad that he ended up at Garden City because from everything Greg has told us, that's a really good fit for him. And Frost has said, you know, they'll keep an eye on hopefully getting him here then in two years. But I'm like, what a cruddy situation for this kid because of, because of an NCAA ACT thing not being able to sort itself out. It is a crappy situation, but it's the most of a bad situation because Garden City is a Husker-friendly program and it's run by a Husker-friendly coach. It is. So that's that's a positive that you can take away. Also, I don't know what his role would have been this year if he had been on the team. He, he'd likely red shirts. Yeah. I don't know that they, they can find a spot for him in that wide receiver rotation because they go... I mean, when we were going through the depth chart, what, they go six, seven, eight deep? I mean, they've got a lot of talent there. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing for them. I actually was getting asked the other day about Tyjon Lindsay, and I feel really good about Tyjon, but he just has a lot of, like, competition, and that's the case for all of these guys. Outside of, like, Stanley Morgan, like, Stanley Morgan, we are confident he is your number one guy. He is he's going to be, as long as he's healthy, the guy. Everything else, it's like plug and play. Aaron Sorensen, live on the podcast. J.D. Spielman will have a terrible sophomore year. Is that what we're getting at? No, it's just that Stanley Morgan is just the guy. (laughs) J.D. Spielman is the backup to the guy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, it just, I think that's the way I felt it. It felt like when we were going through it, it's just like plug, you could plug somebody in and justify it in a bunch of different spots where it's like, I mean, heck, um, Greg threw Cade Warner in there and I was like, honestly, I could see Cade. And I actually, I, I was surprised Cade didn't get a scholarship, but... I can understand because he's younger than the ones that did get scholarships. But, like, I think he has a potential that has the potential to be a big factor in this offense, the type of quarter, quarterback, the type of wide receiver that he is. But, yeah, the whole thing is just, like, looking at that wide receiver group, it's – I mean, heck, do any of them want to play – like, do any of them want to move over to, like, inside linebacker? <laughs> Seriously. Mike Williams probably could. Gosh, seriously, if anyone's interested, make your move now. It feels like Tyjon got more competition. Like I feel bad for Tyjon because like he was I, I mean, we would have slotted him as the guy that would have been the slot receiver mm-hmm. and then uh Stanley and, and JD out wide, but now you've got Mike Williams and I mean I think he's gonna be one of the three guys, one of the mm-hmm. top three guys. It's just yeah. a matter of where you slot him. Yep. But now that bumps Tajon to maybe the duck R spot, which also tangent. It it has nothing to do with Oregon. No, stop people it. have to stop. I, stop everybody it. wants to be Husk R. No. And I hate it's it. It's a position. I hate Chill. it. I hate it. Okay, so tangent over. I hate it. <laughs> tangent over. I hate it. Um <laughs> just name the podcast I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, I just I don't I I didn't see a a path to significant playing time for Dom this year. So maybe yeah. maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe I just it still stinks for me. Like if this is where he wanted to be, it just stinks that like he's having to go elsewhere because of. But 
having, I will say, having worked in the admissions office when I was in college and having helped with um, with student-athlete, not just football, but student-athlete transcripts and making sure all their paperwork and all their stuff is in, I will tell you the world surrounding student-athletes and the people that make that happen and the people who have to like be so diligent to go through everything and make sure that they're eligible, make sure that they can be here, that they qualify. Those people do some amazing, amazing work. So I have no doubt that Nebraska didn't do everything it possibly could to get Dominic here. It just is just crazy that for whatever reason, the NCAA and ACT were not able to figure it out. And I mean... For whatever reason, you're shocked the NCAA didn't do something, you know, Yeah, my eyes just rolled out of my head and they're actually (laughs) down the street as we're talking. I think that's it. I don't. I don't have anything else I want to talk about. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Um, no, I mean. Anything else that jumps to mind? No, I mean. I will say this: oh. good on Scott for 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 publicly saying we're going to stick with the kid. We're going to stay committed to the kid. Yeah, I'm because glad you said that. If if there's the chance for him to get here in the future, then they'll. And for welcome the record, him back. he said that about Maisry Mapu too before Maisry left Iowa Western. Like if if I if Maisry would have stayed at um is it Masry? I, I always say it wrong and Jacob Jacob will correct me. So if Jacob's listening to this, feel free to text me when you hear it and tell me that I'm saying it incorrectly. Jacob Padilla. P- Padilla. Padilla. Um no, uh, I, he always tells me when I've um, got, like, when I switch a players. And usually I know because I'm trying to think of it because of him telling me before, and then I still get it wrong. Um, but anyway, he's talked about staying committed to kids in the past, and I think that's cool. But if you are somebody who is excited about high school football, high school football kicks off this weekend. Actually, Alaska kicked off last weekend, but everyone outside of Alaska kicks off this week so some some teams played yesterday but if you want to keep a kick, eye on nebraska commits tonight is your night um friday night friday night so if you're listening saturday night no one's playing saturday night if you're listening sunday night for sure no one's playing sunday night do we get week zero of college football tomorrow <gasps> isn't there like isn't a game tonight? in Wait. australia or something like that if there is a game tonight i'm not covering soccer you're covering soccer <laughs> Okay, so tomorrow, Saturday, August 25th, you have Duquesne. 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 <laughs> I can't Aaron pronounce. did not take French in college, clearly. I didn't, but that's amazing. UMass, uh, Prairie View and Rice, Hawaii and Colorado State. And that was if, the one that I was thinking of. If you're really ready for the late night football games, Wyoming and New Mexico State kick off at 9 p.m. Central. Oh, that's going to be amazing. That's going to be amazing. And I am forever now going to call it Duquesne. 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 Sounds good. Um, sorry to any Duquesne fans. <laughs> or alumni. For the record, I do mispronounce names quite a bit. And so I will always ask players, like, how do you pronounce your name? And I had one player a few years ago and I said, you know, how do you pronounce your name? Because I've heard it two different ways in the press box. And he goes, either one. It's like, please no. I need you to tell me how you pronounce your mm-hmm. name. But no, he just didn't do that. It's fine. That means I'm just going to butcher your name for the rest of the time. It's like when you ask your significant other uh, for like where they want to go eat at, and they're like, I don't Either care. Either one. It doesn't care. matter. Just whatever you want. Yeah, I do that all the time. It's fine. The worst Derek, thing ever. Derek. I can't even like say it wrong. But people do call me Aaron Sorensen, which is just borderline insane. I do uh, misspell your last name nine times out of ten. I put an O instead is, of an E. Your name's no. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Nine times out of ten. Also, uh, friends, 
quote-unquote friends back in high school and college used to call me Dirk. So as long as we don't get that started here, I'm fine. Well, now that you've told everyone on this podcast, that's exactly what they're going to do. That's okay. Well, hopefully everyone has a nice final weekend without Nebraska football. Yeah, we got one more week and we made it. Maybe we'll have a starting quarterback in the next 10 minutes, Lord knows. When Depending on when you're listening to this, we'll it could be within 10 minutes. We'll just have to re-record the whole podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's fine. Aaron, thanks for joining. It was fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. From the closet underneath the bar. Uh, we will be back next week with the Varsity Club podcast. Keep it here. <laughs>